What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera, and my co-host, as always, from Bleeding Green Nation, Brandon Lee Gowton. What's up, BLG? Stats, glad to be back here with you on the Oddcast, as I am always here. And I heard some troubling things when I was listening to the look ahead last week. I think RJ may have committed to a crime. Uh-oh. Uh the snack thing, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff from RJ, but we don't need to get into that here because he's not part of this podcast, and we have too much important stuff to get to. We are loaded with content, although you, you kind of piqued my curiosity. What was your issue with our snack conversation? We were talking about best snacks for a road trip. Um, I think the bigger thing was was the fact that RJ just is listening to his AirPods in the car. I'm pretty sure you can't oh, do that legally. Right. I'm pretty, that's, I'm that's pretty what I sure said. you cannot do that. <laughs> He claims to have them at a low enough volume that he can still, mm. but no, you no. can't. You can't do that, right? You need your you need your full array of your senses in the car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't even remember. I guess what what my other things were because I kept thinking about that, and I was like, you can't do that. That's that's not right. Yeah, no, very stock down, RJ Ochoa, mm. typical Cowboys fan trying to just mm. flout the rules. But we are going to leave that there for now because we are focusing on. <laughs> disgruntled NFL players in today's show. There are a bunch of them around the league for a bunch of different reasons. We're going to talk to Mark Schofield from Patriots Pulpit about the Stephon Gilmore contract situation. And of course, we've got to squeeze in a, a Mac Jones question before we go. We're going to touch on all of them around the league, BLG. Let's start quickly with Aaron Rodgers because he did an interview with Tom Brady and a couple of golfers yesterday because they're doing that that golf match for charity. And right off the bat, Aaron Rodgers is wearing a shirt that says, I'm offended, which, of course, offends me. <laughs> I I just I love it, Stats. I love how upset you get. You're offended. So you actually, wow, Stats is actually revealing that he's wearing I'm an offended, I'm offended shirt as well. That's crazy. <laughs> it's just him and Russ are doing this this thing where they're acting like they are a victim of circumstance and all this stuff is happening around them through no fault of their own. And it's, it's bullshit. It's completely their own doing. And so for Aaron Rodgers to wear the shirt that says I'm offended because uh, the Packers, what was it? Mark Murphy, the CEO there said that he's a complicated guy and Russell Wilson claims he never want asked to be traded. And he's popping into Pete Carroll's press conference and telling everybody, see, look, we're still friends. Like, I hate that. We're all here. We all saw what happened. You are not a victim here. You are the perpetrator. You are the reason that you are in these situations to both of these guys. And to act like they're not just drives me nuts. Stats, you have no evidence. You're just basing all of this conjecture off of media reports. And the media is lying, obviously. And there's no truth to any of this, even though it's been reported in multiple different places. And it's very clear that it is true which is always very frustrating. And again, you touched on the look ahead last week. The Aaron Rodgers thing, I mean, is he not the most passive-aggressive quarterback oh. of all time? <laughs> or player, maybe, of all time? It's kind of I kind of respect it, in a way, because it's, it's very uh, petty. It's very kind of... It's funny. It's funny to me. It's entertaining. Like, I'm looking at that, and I'm not a Packers fan, of course. Probably not as fun if I'm a Packers fan. But from the outside looking in, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, that's so funny. Because, like, we all know what that means. But it's not like... Like, 
it's not like he's coming out and saying it. He just has it on his shirt. And then you have to interpret it. It's it's funny to me. He's the king of that. Well, I didn't say it. I didn't come out right and say it. So you can't pin it on me. It's like, yes, we can, <laughs> dude. Like that, He could have worn any shirt in the world. Any shirt. And he chose specifically to wear that one for a reason. Like, and he's sitting there acting like, well, this is the shirt that jumped on my back today. I don't know. What, like, yeah. no, dude, you put it on. Total coincidence, you know. Didn't didn't plan it out or anything. Didn't didn't specially order this shirt. Like, why does he have that shirt? Like, is that just a shirt that like like that's out there that people have? Like, did he, I feel like he? I mean, he knew he was going to be on TV. Obviously, it's like, did he custom order that shirt just for that TV appearance? And he's like going to wear it that one time and never again. Very possibly. That's that's. I'm looking it up on Amazon right now to see if I can like Google or just find yeah, like an I'm offended shirt. Did you find it? Yeah, I found like a hoodie that says it. Um, I don't. I feel like these might be people kind of like trying to capitalize like immediately. You know, like you cash grab here, like get the Aaron Rodgers I'm offended shirt slash hoodie slash hat. And uh, <laughs> I guess kudos to those people for trying to make a quick buck. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Well, now I'm looking on Amazon. Now I can buy a shirt that says, I'm offended that you're offended. So now wow. I need to do an interview with Aaron Rodgers where I wear that shirt during the interview. Very excellent. It's also 18 bucks. Sorry, not going to pay $20 for a T-shirt. That's just how I roll. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Aaron Rodgers situation. I mean, I think that he's eventually going to play because if he really had the balls to stay away, and not play this year, he would have come out and say, I want to be traded. He would have expressly said that. But he doesn't expressly say that, BLG, because he's still trying to preserve his image. He still doesn't want to be seen as this guy that wants out, and he doesn't want the fans to turn on him. So he's doing all this other stuff. But when push comes to shove, when the Packers don't budge, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Interesting, though. I was just thinking about the fan aspect of it, and he doesn't want to be a villain. But, like... I was thinking, like, if he really wants to get out, like, doesn't he almost want to become the villain? Because at that point, the fans are like, just get this guy out of here. Like, I'm tired of this guy. Like, like, just get like, get what we can for him. As opposed to if he is this sympathetic figure and fans are like, we can't get rid of him. He was just the MVP. It's Aaron Rodgers. We still love him. Yeah, he might be like frustrating us a little bit right now, but you can't trade him. Well, then that makes it even harder to trade him. And if he really wants to get traded, like wouldn't he almost want to become the villain? So maybe that's what he's trying to do here a little bit more with this stuff, unless you have a different read on it. Well, no, I think that that's, he doesn't want that, right? He's trying to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to force his way out, but he doesn't want anybody to be mad at him for it. And it's like, no, Mm. the way you force your way out of town is to get the fans to go against you. Look at Antonio Brown, right? I mean, God, he got everybody to turn against him. He was also fighting the general manager. So I guess that's not totally a a good comparison. But that's how you get out of town. You get the public pressure on your side and you you sacrifice sort of a little bit of love from the the fan base that you're leaving. But you eventually get what you want. But Aaron doesn't want to do that. Right. So he wants to try and live in both worlds. But you can't be a little bit pregnant like you you. (laughs) it's just not a place you can stay so unless he wants to fully commit he's not going anywhere all right let's get off Aaron Rodgers I feel like stats unless you have anything else on him because I feel like we just talk about him every episode because that's I guess that's what he wants right he's he's been dominating like the offseason dead zone news cycle for the past whatever now since the draft basically when it came out that you know like he wanted out and 
probably not by accident, and he probably doesn't mind that. But uh, but here we are. All right. Goodbye, Aaron Rodgers. Hello, Stefan Gilmore. Go to the defensive side of the ball. He wants out. He is not showing up to Patriots mandatory minicamp. He wants a new deal. We know that the Patriots are not, you know, necessarily the most flexible team when it comes to these kind of things. So let's go to New England. Let's get a little bit of help. We'll bring in Mark Schofield from Pat's Pulpit. Help us break down this situation. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, gentlemen. Great to be with you. As I was saying beforehand, if you hear absolute chaos and bedlam in the background, uh, today's the final day of school here in Montgomery County, Maryland, and Wednesday is a virtual day. And so my fourth grade son and first grade daughter are home for the final day of school and just losing their minds. And so if you hear absolute chaos, it's not the fact that Patriots fans are yelling about Cam Newton versus Mac Jones. It's my two kids losing their minds. Perhaps over Mac Jones and, and Cam Newton, but, you know, maybe not. That's dangerous waters, my friend. Let it me is. just tell you. The, the kids on the remote, potentially, you know, trying to figure it out on their own. That's You don't know what's happening in that room right I, now. I, I saw a tweet, like, I think it was last week, Rob, that was fantastic. It was a random woman, and it was so brilliant. It was, today's the last day of second grade virtual school, and I swear these kids are hammered. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that totally fits. All right. Well, Stefan Gilmore is not hammered, but he is still frustrating Patriot fans. He is not in mandatory minicamp. He wants a new deal. I saw him potentially as someone who could get moved before the season started. What's going on there and how do you see that situation working out? Yeah, I think what's going on is he's the latest in the long line of sort of Patriot star players that understand that Bill Belichick views this as a business. And when you are entering the final year of your deal, when you are expecting a big payday, it's far more likely that you will, like you said, Rob, get moved than get a new deal. And he understands that he's entering the final year of his deal. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the next season. You know, he's also getting into his thirties now, um, 31 right now. And that's sort of the age where you see corners, not always fall off, um, but start to, and he's coming off a down year where he battled some injuries. And so there's a lot of moving pieces here, but he certainly wants a new deal. He wants that done. He wants some sort of st- stability with his time in New England. Or if not, you know, a clear picture that, okay, you're going to be testing the waters next year. So you have to play at a high level this year. And like you said, there was also the idea that he was going to get moved. I think before the draft, there are a lot of people, and I put myself in this category that thought if the Patriots – really entertain the notion of moving up in the first round to perhaps go get a quarterback that Gilmore might be part of that package. They're fairly deep in the secondary. J.C. Jackson is a very good corner and on some teams might be CB1. Here he's CB2. And so there's there's trust in J.C. Jackson. There's a belief within the building that if they have to move on from Gilmore for whatever reason, J.C. Jackson is a very good cornerback one option. And they've got obviously Jawan Williams behind him. They've got other players in that secondary that they trust. And so we might see this situation sort of move to a point where he does get moved. We might see this situation move to a point where, you know, they just say, look, you know, we're not going to do a new deal now. We'll talk about it at the end of the year. And Stephon Gilmore is basically playing for a free agency deal. Or they might sort of come to terms. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. They spent a lot of money this free se- this preseason, this free agency cycle. Obviously, we know all that. So there's a chance that they come to terms with him. But you know Bill Belichick, he's not going to wildly overpay um, if he doesn't feel like he has to. And so we'll see where it goes. But that's the situation right now. I know Patriots fans are hoping they get a deal done because he's still one of the game's best corners 
when healthy, but they're deep in the secondary. And so if they don't feel like they have to overpay them, they won't. So that's interesting, Mark, because you mentioned the spending spree there. And I was going to ask you about that. Like from that perspective, you know, the Patriots seeming like they're making kind of this big push, kind of uncharacteristic, uh, you know, to go out and free and spend all this money. It feels to me like from that perspective alone that Stefan Gilmore almost holds the leverage here because it's like, how are you going to go spend all this money and then not spend the money when it comes to keeping like your top defensive player? Um, so that's that's kind of where my head is at on this. Do you agree with that? And then how big of a loss is it if he's not playing for the Patriots this year? Yeah, it's a brilliant question, BLG, because look, if you're Stephon Gilmore, you see them throwing money at Matt Judon. You see them throwing money at John Smith, Hunter Henry, Jalen Mills, Nelson Aguilar, two names you're familiar with. And you're thinking they're going to turn around and sort of shortchange me on a potential deal when a year ago I was defensive player of the year. I mean, how how are you going to do that to me? Um, so you, d- I think it's a very good point that he probably feels like he has a lot of leverage here. The flip side to that is we know how Bill Belichick does business. Trey Flowers, you're one of the best pass rushers on the on the market. You've just coming off a great year. Have fun in Detroit, buddy. We're not going to pay you ninety million over five years. Like that's just not how they do business. And so, yeah, you know, I th- I think it's a very astute point. They've spent a lot of money. Why wouldn't you spend money to b- keep a defensive player of the year, a high caliber type player in house? Um, do they, they do they have options behind them? Yeah, like I mentioned, J.C. Jackson, they're very confident in J.C. Jackson. J.C. Jackson has one of the traits that you need at the corner position to play extremely well, which is a short-term memory, right? You see him get burnt by Joe Flacco and Jamison Crowder on a Monday night game, and then he turns around a couple of plays later and makes a huge interception. He has that short-term memory. Jonathan Jones is a very good corner for them. They still have faith in Jawan Williams. They added, we mentioned Jalen, you know, Jalen Mills. They added him. I think he's more of a depth piece, but they do believe that if called upon, he can play corner for them. He's obviously not going to be a CB1 type, but CB3 perhaps, CB4 perhaps. He could fill that role if they're forced to bump everybody up with Gilmore's departure. So they do trust the guys behind him. They've also done a lot of investment in the front seven. Matthew Judon will help. Getting Dante Hightower back will help. Getting Kyle Van Noy returning to the team will help. And Belichick is a firm believer in Marriott pass rush and coverage. You know, Patriots struggled in both areas last year with Judon, with Kyle Van Noy back, who's a very effective blitzer, with Hightower back from his opt-out, also a very effective blitzer. They can get pressure on opposing quarterbacks, which will help the coverage. And so there's ways to you know, put together their defense if they have to move on from Gilmore one way or another. So Mark, should the Patriots pay Stephon Gilmore? That's my question for you here. Um, And then that's, so I want your opinion on that. Also kind of gauging the Patriot fan uh, reaction or the temperature about how they're feeling about Stephon Gilmore. I mean, I'm looking at it here. I'm seeing he's making CB12 money this year. I mean, again, we're talking about a player one year removed from being defensive player of the year, feels like he should at least be in the top 10 there. Certainly seems like he has a case here, but should the Patriots do it? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you have to pay Stephon Gilmore. And part of the reason is we we know defensive player of the year and all that. I, I think when you look at how Bill Belichick likes to sort of structure game plan, structure the secondary, Stephon Gilmore frees him up to do so many different things conceptually because when you're talking about a corner and I just got done ranking for USA Today touch on why the top 11 outside corners and my CB1 on the outside was Jalen Ramsey. Part of the reason is, look, you can put him up against George Kittle one week, DeAndre Hopkins the next, you know, he was covering Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. I mean, he can cover any type of player. Gilmore's the same way. 
You know, when the Patriots played the Eagles a couple of years ago, any critical third down, it was Zach Ertz and Stephon Gilmore. Or you might see him against the Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill. He allows Bill Belichick to say, look, this is the guy I'm most worried about, Stephon Gilmore. You get him. I don't care if it's a tight end, a slot receiver, whatever. You're taking him. And then we can play with numbers advantages in the rest of the secondary. A player like that is extremely valuable in today's NFL because we all know it's a matchup-based game. Offensive coordinators do everything they can to get favorable matchups and exploit them. Gilmore's the type of guy that can erase those. Jalen Ramsey, these other corners, guys that can erase matchups are so valuable. So if I'm the Patriots, I'm paying him. You know, because if you have the ability to lock down one player that you're worried about with one defensive back and then play two safety looks or whatever else you want to do conceptually around the rest of the secondary, that's so valuable. So I'd pay him in a heartbeat. And I think most Patriots fans agree. You know, really the tension in Patriots fan base in Patriots Nation right now is the quarterback position. But the Gilmore thing, I think everybody's on the same page where, look, we got to pay this guy because he's so valuable to what they do. He's so critical to what they want to accomplish in the secondary and defensively overall. This could be a great defense yet again, but he's a big component of that. Open up the paybook, open up the pay, you know, the pocketbook, pay him, and let's move on to the big pressing question, which is who's going to be throwing the football? Or perhaps who's going to be handing the ball off? Because this might be a run-first offense. Well, I'd like to thank you for that fantastic setup because that's <laughs> I'm exactly a pro, where I'm, I'm going. A pro. You are SB Nation's resident quarterback expert, uh, one of the many hats that you wear. Uh, I saw some things yesterday about Twitter, about Mac Jones throwing interceptions. I, I love the minicamp stat line reports. That's what we're on Twitter to get. Um, where do you see that quarterback situation going? Because we really don't know anything about how Bill Belichick treats rookie quarterbacks because he hasn't had to do it for two decades. Yeah, we don't. And that is, you know, we are in sort of Zapruder film territory <laughs> here with like every midi camp throw is broken down from every single angle. And what complicates matters is we often don't know the goal of the drill at hand. I mean, there is speculation recently that there was one drill where their quarterbacks were told to throw the ball high into the end zone to see if receivers can go up and high point the football. And that led to some misses and a lot of speculation that Cam Newton is going to get cut. Like that's how fast <laughs> things are moving here uh, among Patriots fans. We don't know how Bel- Bill Belichick is going to handle Mac Jones. You know, and, and what he said, the praise has been effusive from Bill Belichick. And what I mean by that is he said, like, we've put a lot on his plate and he's handled it pretty well. <laughs> and he seems like a smart kid, which is like fawning praise for a rookie quarterback from Bill Belichick. My expectations are that Cam is viewed as the starter. You know, he's also, Bill Belichick has been, you know, high with his praise of Cam. Talked about his leadership, talked about how he's ahead of where he was last year. Now, this time last year, he wasn't on the team. You know, he didn't sign until the end of June. And so, of course, he's ahead of where he was last year. He was still a free agent. I think the hope is that because last year was so different, you know, because of everything else that was going on, he signs late, no real preseason. He gets COVID himself. You know, you're not going to – it'd be hard to be as bad as he was last year. So the hope is he's going to be a bit better And with the talent they have acquired, you know, the two tight ends, Nelson Aguilar, you know, you could get a 12 personnel package that could be very good, very effective. Mm -hmm. And you don't need Cam to be great. You just need him to be better than it was last year. And it'd be hard to be any worse. So I think the expectations are with the defense we just talked about, with the talent around the quarterback position, and with an improved Cam over last year, this should be still a competitive team. 
The problem is, what if Cam isn't that? What if Cam really is what we saw last year or what we're seeing in these rainy day mini-camp clips where it looks like he can't complete a five-yard out pass? Then you've got a situation where you might have to play Matt Jones. So you've got to do everything you can to get him ready. And look, the goal is, even if Cam is fantastic this year, they're not going to pay him next year. They've got Matt Jones now. And so the goal is, no matter what, you've got to get Matt Jones ready to be your team's starting quarterback. And so if Cam doesn't pan out, you probably do see Matt Jones, whether it's week one, week four. That's the one that worries me, right? That week four, Tom Brady coming home, I can't imagine Bill Belichick is going to say, yeah, Mac Jones, go out there and you're going to start this game. Like, I think even if things are spiraling out of control at the quarterback position, they're going to hold on until like week five because they don't want to throw Mac Jones into that. The wild card of this is oddly Jared Stidham. You know, there are still pockets of Patriots fans that are believers in Stidham. There are oh, some reports. Come on. I know. I, it, look, look <laughs> I, as somebody that wrote like this time last year, the plan is Jared Stidham. And then like 48 hours later, they signed Cam Newton. Believe me, like I'm not going down the Jared Stidham road again. Um, but there are reports that, look, he's looked good. You know, maybe the long-term plan for Stidham is whoever wins the job this year or next year, whatever, he's their long-term backup. He'll be the backup this year behind Cam and then next year behind Mac. Who knows? Um, you know, I, I'm not really going down that road again. I, I do think it's Cam or Mac this year. I think Cam has the inside track. I think the people in the building hope that Cam wins it, but that Mac pushes them enough that where they feel that if they have to make a move, they're confident in Mac Jones. I think that's their sort of ideal situation. Worlds don't revolve around ideal situations. You know, it's it's not going to pan out that way unless something spectacular happens. And so we'll see how it pans out. Um, I think the hope is, though, that Cam will be the week one starter. As someone that doesn't root for the Patriots, it's so good to see them down in the muck in an old-fashioned QB controversy. I got to say, Rob, every time I go on a show, it's just like the the almost unbridled joy on the other side of the street <laughs> is it, it's palpable, right? Because for so many years, it's been like, oh, God, here they go again. Tom Brady's playing great. They're making another run. Oh, my God, they've got a good defense now. And to see other fans just, like, watching from afar with the popcorn and the adult beverages, the chaos at the quarterback position, it's palpable. And I get it. I get it. It's been 25 years or so of it. So I understand the, you know, 31 fan base is sort of enjoying this moment. Yeah, you know, one quarterback controversy every quarter century is probably a good uh, plan yeah. for the Patriots. I mean, it's, you know, we've really had it tough over the past 25 <laughs> years. And so I'm, I'm sure those other 31 fan bases really feel the pain the Patriots fans are going through. Well, thank you very much for the time. Mark Schofield, Patriots pulpit, touchdown wire, like you said. Keep us posted on Mac Jones. I want to know how many interceptions and incompletions he has thrown. So we'll check you out on Twitter for that. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. It's like Tua yesterday, right? There was the Tua interception tracker we had. I almost got got. There was the fake Cameron Wolf that said he threw nine, and I was just <laughs> about to hit retweet on that when I double-checked it. So, yeah, intercept, minicamp interceptions. It's a fun time of year, guys. But thanks again. This was a blast. Thanks again to Mark Schofield. Okay, BLG, let us stay on the defensive side of the ball. Let's stay in the AFC East because there's more defensive players and defensive backs who are unhappy. When we come back from our break, Let's talk about Xavier Howard of the Dolphins. You know, everything, there kind of seemed to be a good feeling about the Dolphins. And then all of a sudden now we've got the Xavier Howard situation. We got two of throwing five interceptions in practice. So let's talk about Xavier Howard when we come back. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. We're back here on the off day debrief, taking a look at some disgruntled NFL employees with their contract situations, BLG. And this one is interesting. Also in the AFC East, also on the defensive side of the ball, also a defensive back. That's Xavier Howard. He got a new deal in May of 2019, and now he's unhappy. I kind of get it, actually. Stats, when you're looking at it here, Xavier Howard had 10 interceptions last year, which led the NFL. It's the most a player has had since Antonio Cromartie in 2007. He finished third in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Had a strong case for being, you know, the just the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and he's only 28. He is making CB6 money. So he's not even a top five paid quarterback. I think that's the issue. And another issue is one of his own teammates, Byron Jones, is higher than him. And Byron Jones, clearly not as good of a quarterback. Now, of course... That's kind of how things work. You know, Byron Jones was a free agent last year. So, you know, and he was in position to get a big payday. And Xavier Howard was never a free agent. So it's, you know, that's just kind of the nature uh, of free agency versus re-upping with your own team sometimes. But, like, I don't blame him because he's a really good player. He's still in his prime, very much so. And, like, I get it. So I think it's very reasonable for him to kind of hold out and kind of being or kind of being in the spot to push for even more money. It's such a weird situation, and you mentioned it, sort of like a lot of planets had to align to get where we are. You said he's making CB6 money, which is true. It's just that the five guys ahead of him all signed last year. Like, it is wild that he suddenly finds himself in this position because when he signed his deal, he was good. He was at the top of the heap. Life was good. And then he gets passed out by Jalen Ramsey, Marlon Humphrey, Trey White, Darius Slay, and like you said, Byron Jones. And I think that's a big deal, right? Because it's one thing to be CB6 when all these guys sign deals. Like, that happens all the time. The market is always being set and updated. But when a dude on your own team is making more money than you and you outplayed him last year, that, I think, is part of the frustration with with Howard there. Um, but I also understand it from the Dolphins perspective, like, Hey, we just took care of you. Like we just did this. It's not our fault that all these other dudes signed. Like we did right by you. We gave you this deal as a five-year deal. This isn't, wasn't one of those like short kind of stopgap deals. Like we were supposed to be done with this. And now you want to come back to the table. We, we can't do anything for you, man. We're going to have every single player coming back to us every year. If we renegotiate your contract. 
See, I don't fully agree with that. I mean, I get that argument, and that's always what's said, but I don't think it necessarily – I mean, and I'm speculating here, and I think mm-hmm. um, what Brian Flores said, he called it kind of like a unique situation, and I guess maybe because of like <laughs> it was so recently he got paid, but maybe it's a situation where – Xavier Howard isn't necessarily looking for the Dolphins to like rip up his current tri- contract as much as he's kind of looking for them to add like maybe some more incentives or or add some extra guaranteed money, you know, kind of like boost it basically, not like write an entire new deal. I mean, because when you look at it, um, the Dolphins can actually clear $12.1 million in cap space right now by trading him with only $1.4 million in dead money. So they're not like super tied to him right now. And that's always a spot where players want more security. And I think with how good he's been, again, it seems pretty reasonable that like he could be asking for more guarantees just so he has that security to get not only that guaranteed money outright, but also the future salaries he's set to make, um, obviously, which are going to be pretty high. So I think there's a way for them to kind of like bump this up without actually ripping it up entirely. And I think there's a way to do that too, without kind of like this always this fear that NFL teams have of setting this bad precedent of paying players who have already been paid. I mean, again, led the NFL interceptions last year with 10. Like again, player hasn't done that since 2007. Like that's, that's, that's not just like paying a guy cause he played really well. It's like paying a guy cause he did something like historical. I think that's an okay precedent to set. That's what the money is for. That's what the Dolphins would say, right? Like, we didn't pay you to suck. Yeah, you got 10 picks. That's exactly what we were hoping when we signed you this deal. Uh, But I do agree with you that, like, the answer to all of these situations that we're going to talk about, right, is just give them more money. (laughs) Like, it's not that complicated. We always say on this show, do the thing, right? Do the thing that works, that makes sense. Well, there it is. I mean, he only has only uh, Howard's 2021 salary is fully guaranteed. So I'm sure, like you said, that's exactly what he wants. He wants more guaranteed money. He wants a little security. But I understand it from Miami's perspective, too, BLG. This is a guy that's missed 24 games in his career due to injury. It was a career year last year for him. Yeah, I think that they like the idea of having the flexibility that if he sort of reverts to the Xavier Howard that we've seen in other years where he's banged up or ineffective, they can cut bait with him, like you said. So it is an interesting spot, although I agree that the obvious solution is to just make a little bit more of his contract guaranteed. Yeah, and it seems like that's doable to me it doesn't seem like there's like some kind of irreparable damage here at least you know from my understanding of it, it seems like there there has to be some kind of compromise and that's exactly why you kind of sit out uh mandatory minicamp like you kind of show them like hey there's some work to be done here like we need to do something you know it's not to the point yet where he's missing training camp practices and everything it's kind of just like a, hey you know we need to have a serious talk like i'm serious about this like let's get something done right that's sort of the steps to this gradually it's i'm serious enough to stay away But it's also like, what is he really missing? He's not a rookie. So we'll see how Miami handles that. And, you know, that's something that they're going to have to navigate as they become, you know, a team that has a roster full of talented players. When you stink, you don't really have to worry too much about these sort of situations. But when you become good, these sort of things pop up. So we'll see how Miami handles it. I want to get your take now about Jamal Adams and Seattle because this is sort of an interesting situation. So Jamal Adams is not in minicamp, but supposedly, according to the Seahawks, he has been excused for a, quote, uh, undisclosed family matter. Now, I don't know about you, BLG, but to me, that seems like the team is trying to find a way out of finding Jamal Adams for not showing up to minicamp. Do you agree with that? 
Well, just to cover our bases here, you know, God forbid there is actually something going on. Seriously, the Jamal Adams family, which, you know, I don't want to care speculate on. I don't know. Hopefully there isn't. I really hope everything's okay. But um, it seems to me from, again, outside looking in that that's probably kind of just a convenient excuse. And that that is it's worth noting, like the mandatory minicamp fines, that is up to the team. Like teams don't have to find players if they miss the practices, but they can according to the CBA. So uh, they can waive those fines if players miss time. Um, so uh, maybe that's what's happening here. Now, Stats, you kind of said, like, the solution to all these holdouts is give the players more money. I don't agree with Jamal Adams. I think he is a very interesting player to assess here, given the situation. The Seahawks' stats can move on from him right now to clear $9.8 million with no dead money. Um, he turns 26 in October, and obviously he's going to be a free agent after this season. Um, but is this a guy you want to pay? Like no. Jamal Adams? Yeah, well, exactly. Yes, but why? Because Jamal Adams was PFFs, and take it for what it's worth, but he was their 47th safety out of 99 last year. He was 80th <laughs> out of 99 stats in coverage grade. He allowed a 104.7 passer rating when targeted, according to Pro Football Reference. So. You're, we know Jamal Adams is not a cover safety. What is he good at? He was fourth in pass rush grade, and he had 104 pass rush snaps, which is unique because the next closest safety stats only had 20 fewer. So he was used as you know a pass rusher as a safety more than basically any other safety in the NFL by a decent amount. But again, I just I look at kind of like playmaking ability, like zero interceptions last year. He's had two in his career. He had one forced fumble last year. He had three passes defensed. Now, he did have 9.5 sacks, which is pretty good, but you don't pay a safety to be a pass rusher. So I don't understand how the Seahawks can kind of give him this big deal. Oh, I agree with you completely. Uh, I don't care that Jamal Adams had nine and a half. I don't care if Jamal Adams had 15 sacks. That's not his job. Uh, It drives me nuts to hear him talk about it and people praise him as this great safety. Like, no, it reminded me a couple months ago, BLG, I was trying to buy a coffee maker. I needed a new one. My my Keurig I had broke. I didn't love the you know using the pods and throwing them away. I needed a new one. And I don't know if you're like me, but I it takes me a while to buy anything. I read a ton of reviews, like especially kitchen stuff. I really like take my time with it. And there's all these coffee makers out there. You wouldn't believe the crap that's out there. What this one has a timer. This one has a touch screen. This one you could hook up to your Alexa. Like I don't need that. Just make coffee. That's all I need you to do. I bought a percolator BLG. It doesn't even have an on-off switch. It, you just plug it in and it starts. And then when it stops making noise, you know the coffee is ready. And that's all I needed to do. Just make my coffee. I don't need any other bells and whistles. And I feel like that's Jamal Adams. Like, he's a coffee maker with a touch screen. I don't need that. I need you to cover. And as you very clearly and nicely laid out, he can't do it. Not only is he not great at it, he's bad at it. And when you're bad at your primary job, I'm not giving you any more money except BLG. The team is kind of up the creek because they gave up two first round picks to get him. Yeah, but that's a sunk cost fallacy stats. And sure enough, teams play into it. So it's not irrelevant that you bring that up. But to me, if I'm looking at what makes the most sense, and it's I guess it's a tough spot because I mean, they make that trade last year because in part because they want to show Russell Wilson they're serious, right? Like we're serious about contending. Um, and you can't really trade him away because then you're Russell Wilson who already doesn't want to be there fully uh, or has reservations at the very least 
I don't know how you trade him away, but I think if you're looking, if you're ignoring that and kind of looking at like what is the best move in just the Jamal Adams uh, vacuum, like in that vacuum, what is the best decision we can make on him? I think it's to trade him now, and they're not going to do that. Like I'm not expecting that to happen, but I just do not see how you can pay this guy. If you have Jamal Adams on a rookie contract and he's not great at coverage, but he's like this unique player who can bring pass rush juice, that's great. Like that's fine. Like a role player like that that you're not paying serious money to, that's what that is. But you cannot pay this guy like top safety money if he can't cover and he's just a blitzer. Like I mean, at that point, he's just a linebacker kind of, but he's not even good at coverage. He's not even a good cover linebacker. Like I just, <laughs> I, I don't see how you can pay this guy top of the market money or even anything close. I think it'd be a big mistake. I agree. He's making nine point eight six million this year. The top safety, in case you're wondering, is Justin Simmons. He's at fifteen point two five million dollars. I feel like to pay Jamal Adams anything close to that would be absolutely crazy. Uh, but even let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he plays all seventeen games this year. He played 12 games last year, so that would be, if they don't sign him, two first-round picks for 29 games worth of Jamal mm-hmm. Adams. And I know, like you said, the, the sunk cost fallacy. I agree. You shouldn't just give him money because you gave up a lot to get him. But that is a factor for these teams, and so that's where Seattle potentially could be. Two first-round picks for 29 games of Jamal Adams where he can't cover at all, BLG. The Seahawks gave up the second-most passing yards in the league last mm-hmm. year over 4,500 yards, even with this guy for 12 games. So they're they're really up against it. I know as a 49er fan, I was glad when they didn't trade for Jamal Adams. And now the Seahawks are in this sort of no man's land. Yeah, that's a great point, Stats. Like, what kind of impact are those sacks even making for the defense? You know, he's not like this high-impact player. That's another reason why you can't pay him this money. It'd be crazy to do so, to invest all of this in him. I think the right course of action, again, would be to trade him, but I don't think they're realistically even considering that or going to do that. So they're probably just going to have to write it out. Like, they're going to write it out this year, see how it goes. Maybe he improves, then that's, I don't know. I, I don't, not counting on that, but maybe like, that's, <laughs> you know the best case scenario like somehow he gets a lot better in coverage or they figure out a better way to use him whatever but uh i I don't even think he's in really a position to be like demanding money like this like he can stay away for a little bit but uh i don't think he's in a real spot to like other than just the sunk cost part of it and they you know they gave up all this to get him um i think the seahawks are going to try to wait to pay him and they're not going to cave and i don't think they should it's such a weird place where we are in this whole story i feel like when the when it came up that jamal adams was unhappy everybody was killing the jets right oh they mismanagement now this guy's unhappy they couldn't even keep him happy and then they trade him and they get the two first round picks and people are like damn that's a pretty good move by the jets to get jamal adams and now he wants more money and everybody's saying all oh, the seahawks are great like they gave up two first round picks for this guy now they might have to pay him he's not every good like the jets got killed when jamal adams was unhappy And now look where we are, you know, a year later and the Jets look like, you know, they came out of this thing feeling great and and being great. And the Seahawks are in a world of trouble. Yeah, it was a great return. And I remember thinking that at the time, too, for the Jets in that Jamal Adams trades. And that wasn't even me, like, not liking Jamal Adams. I just think it was just, like, an obviously great return when you can get the uh, the capital that they did. So good job by Joe Douglas. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they clearly made the right move. Everyone, like you said, Stats was kind of like on the Jets at the time for, for like messing it up. But I, I think it's pretty obvious they made the right call. All right, let's get to the last guy on our list and another defensive guy. But this guy, I feel like, is the complete opposite of Jamal Adams' BOG. And that's Chandler Jones in Arizona. Because unlike Adams, 
who is not very good at his primary job. Chandler Jones is incredible at his primary job. In fact, he's not really good at any other part of the job, but he Mm. sacks the quarterback. He is one of the best pass rushers in the entire league and has been and hasn't been getting a lot of love necessarily for it. He has 97 sacks in 124 games. And before getting hurt last year, he had five straight seasons of double-digit sacks. What do you do with Chandler Jones if you're Steve Kime in the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, so last year, he and he only played in five games, obviously, because he was had a uh, biceps injury that you know ended his season early. But he was 111th out of 121 players in PFS pass rush productivity metric. Now, you know, small sample size and all that considered. But you know, he turns 31 in February this year. But before last year, and you kind of touched on this stats, but just to contextualize his career in Arizona alone, you're talking about 60 sacks in 64 games, which is nuts. Ooh. 17 forced fumbles and 98 quarterback hits. 98 quarterback hits in 64 games. So more than one per game. Like, that's crazy. Um, a trade, if you're going to trade Chandler Jones, clears $15.5 million with 4.7 in dead money. So very realistic financially, just financial alone standpoint to trade him if you really wanted to. But how do you trade Chandler Jones, though, when you're the Cardinals and you're seemingly kind of you know making this push to go all in or at least kind of closer to that? You know, you have Kyler Murray in what his third year now. You have a uh, you, you added J.J. Watt. Like, don't like isn't the, the point of getting J.J. Watt in part so you can pair him across from like Chandler Jones and you have this really good pass rush now? Like, I just don't understand, like, how the Cardinals could not pay him at this point. Although, you know, last year wasn't the best. I think pass rushers tend to age relatively better than some certain other positions. So I think it's, you know, defensible. And from Chandler Jones' perspective, I want to note here stats. He's making defensive end or we'll call it edge, edge 11 money. So he's not even a top 10 paid edge rusher, which, you know, again, there's like factors to consider there in terms of, you know, when you hit free agency and the market's always going up. But like he has a case. He clearly has a case here that he should be making work. Yeah, he is an incredible, like, I don't know why he doesn't get the love, I guess, because he's been stuck in Arizona, but like, you can't dispute his effectiveness for for the majority of his career, obviously, notwithstanding last year. He's been fantastic, although I will point out that the Cardinals had the fourth most sacks in the league last year without Chandler Jones for most of Mm. the season. So there is that aspect to it, but I just feel like they, this one is easy. It's an easy solve, like you said. If you want to squeeze the most juice out of J.J. Watt, you need to have Chandler Jones there, ready to go, from go. And that's really going to maximize your defense. And uh, on the Niners Nation podcast feed, we are doing an NFC West preview. So Johnny Venerable of Revenge of the Birds was just on. So I feel like I'm really up to speed on the Cardinals. And he kind of pointed out that the defense has has been the best part of that team. Like they their offense is what struggled last year and hurt them. So they got to have Chandler Jones there because if they're sort of a defense first team, you got to have that unit ready to go. Kind of just reminds me of the Stephon Gilmore uh, situation, taking it back to the top where we we're talking with Mark and asking him, like, just from a timeline perspective, like, don't the Patriots almost just like have to pay uh Gilmore, when you're going all in on free agency and you're making this big spending spree, it feels like like 
you're, the time isn't the win now. And I, I feel like it's just the same thing with the Cardinals. Like the time is to win now. Like, I don't, what are you trading Chandler Jones for? Like you're probably, I, I can't see you getting another, you know, prime player back. I mean, maybe you can, but it feels like you're trading him for draft picks and to clear up some cap space, but like, you don't need those things right now. You need players that can help you win. And I think there's risk in, signing Taylor Jones again because he's coming off of this injury and he didn't seem to play all that great last year um, before he got hurt. But I think that's a risk you have to take given the position they're in. And it kind of just like you have to pay him. I know it sounds as easy for us to say because it's not our money <laughs> as like people like to say, but I think it just makes the most sense. I don't know how you can justify trading him. Like you're just making yourself a worse team if he's not on the team. And let's be honest, if you're Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury, are you going to be around next year to mm. spend those draft picks that you might acquire from trading Chandler Jones? I know Cliff definitely won't. Um, I, you know, he's got to win. Like there's, a, he's coming into the season. Maybe I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but his seat's pretty hot among coaches coming into 2021. So there's no benefit to him to trading Chandler Jones. They play in an absolutely brutal division. You really do need a solid pass rush in the NFC West. Like, to me, this is the easiest situation to solve. He deserves it the most, I think, of any of the guys on this list that we've talked about. Like you said, you assume that he's going to be closer to the Chandler Jones that he's been through his entire Cardinals tenure than the one we saw last year. Give him the money, pay him the money, and let's go if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan because you got to win and you got to win now. So to recap all the four players, the main four players we talked about, not including Rodgers, um, Gilmore, give him an extension. I think, right? I could go either way, but I wouldn't I wouldn't crush them for giving him an extension. All right, we're going to say give Gilmore an extension. We're going to say Xavier Howard, like, add more guaranteed money to his contract. Don't rip up his contract, but, like, you know, bump it somehow. Give him a bump. Agreeable? Yes. Okay. Jamal Adams, don't pay him. Just wait. I mean, I, again, I would trade him, but I don't think that's realistic. So wait. Don't do anything. Agreed. And then Chandler Jones, give him an extension. So we're on the same page. I feel like most of the time on this show, you and I are pro player. We're pro these guys getting money and especially when they've earned it and they deserve it. And, you know, generally I feel like where that's the side we're going to come down on, except in the case of Jamal Adams, where we don't feel like he's earned it because he doesn't do his damn job. That and I, I just don't think, yeah, I just don't think it makes the most sense for the team though, too. Like I don't, I don't see, I get like the Seahawks are also kind of in win now and you have to keep Russ happy, but I just don't know. Like I still think you have to keep an eye on the future and their situation and just to have this like bad Jamal Adams contract on the books, especially like if Russ isn't even here for the long term, like if this is last season, the team, it's like, okay, great. Now only do we not have a quarterback, but we have this like awful contract on the books that we're dealing with that might prevent us from getting another one because we have less financial room to, to spend on one. I mean, that doesn't necessarily in, impact their draft uh, stock, but they've given up picks to get some all at them. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't double down. Sometimes you make a mistake. Uh, it's fine to not go all in on the sunk cost. I, I remember uh, stats to always bring it back to the Eagles like I do. People felt like the Eagles had to pay Sam Bradford because they traded for him. It's like, no, you don't have to do that. <laughs> and they clearly made the right decision to not pay him a crazy extension. Sometimes it's okay to admit you made a mistake for something and then move on. I, I hate the idea, stats, that like pennies on the dollar – is always a bad thing. Like, no, I would rather have a couple pennies on the dollar than literally nothing at all because I can, like, buy something with those pennies or I can invest those pennies and maybe, you know, flip them into something. Like, give me a seventh-round pick over nothing. That seventh-round pick could become Jordan Mailata, who might start for the Eagles at left tackle this year. Like, give me something. Don't give me nothing. 
Right. To make another mistake because you made a previous mistake just doesn't make any sense. Like to double down is the worst thing that the Seahawks can do. Hopefully they well, for speaking as a Niner fan, hopefully they do. Please lock up Jamal Adams to a long term deal. Like I would love that. I guess we sail balls over his head. Uh, But we'll see what happens with Seattle. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the offense. Oh, I have an announcement for you. I'm holding out. I'm not going to be on the podcast next week because I'm I'm holding out. I want a new contract, so you're going to have to deal. You're going to have to pay me, man, or else I'm not going to show up. You know what? I, I don't think you're going to stay away for that long. I'm going to wait it out. I'm not going to double down. In fact, you know what? I think we're going to see what, what kind of depth we have here at SB Nation. Mm. Let's test it out. I don't think you're going to stay away for that long, so you you get comfy, buddy. All right. We'll see. Please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. We really do appreciate it. If you have a question for us, hit us up. Leave it in your review. I promise you we will answer it on the show. This is usually when I say something nice to Brandon, but forget it. I don't want to talk to you next week. Go away, and then you'll come crawling back to us after that. I will say to the listeners, uh, I'll miss you. I mean, you know, you, you really have to support me. I'm going to wear an I'm offended <laughs> shirt maybe while I'm in a way. Uh, you, you know, you have to support my case to help me here. Also, if, so if you want to do that in the iTunes reviews, feel free. Also, more importantly, though, for real, tell us how you found the podcast. How do you, how do you know about the podcast? Tell us. Or how do you know about the SB Nation NFL show? Either way, tell us in the ratings and reviews. Enjoy your week, everybody, and we will be back next week.